Hello guys and welcome to the Hit or Miss, the big screen podcast. I'm Will and as always I am joined by the man himself, Patience Zero. I wish that was his name, but it's in fact Michael Wilson. How are you, Michael? Uh, oh, full name today. Hello, hi. I'm uh, I'm good now. I wasn't so good when you made me watch the film. We'll review later, but we'll get there later. Nah, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm still not happy. I'm I'm bloody miserable, actually, like that guy from Bernie said. <laughs> if you've seen that clip. Uh, but yeah, this is episode four, I believe. This is the second bad episode of movie, should I say. Uh, that we're doing this series again we spun the wheel we put a load of episodes onto the wheel just so we didn't like just cherry pick episodes that we love and we did chuck in um a couple of bad episodes in there and then spun the bad wheel to land on uh, a movie that we think is bad so like see if it is bad see if it deserves some reappraisal needless to say i think um we can just say this now neither of us are really impressed by this film in any capacity maybe impressed for the wrong reasons <laughs> yeah this, it's not let me i don't want to get anybody's hopes up but it's not like irredeemable you know the completely i wasted my time i don't want to give any score bad but it's close <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, this is one of my bad choices. This is my pick. I'm surprised that I did land on this one because there were some other ones that I would have preferred to do. Um, but the first time I watched this was about oh, a year ago. And I actually thought it, was, it wasn't it was decent. It was just not awful, if that makes sense. That was my opinion on it. I thought it was a solid like two-star film. Like I, I was more than happy to land on the two-star for this uh, before... Needless to say, again, it's went down in my estimations, probably because Mike bullies me to making my score low. I'm just joking. No, I'm just joking. But yeah, this is my genuine opinion. And uh, Michael has never watched this film before. Um, Will he watch it again? I think he might, just to see if it holds up after about 10 years. (laughs) Absolutely not. Well, there we go. Surely there's got to be a point where you you hate a film so much that you rewatch it eventually just to see if you still think that. Not, not if I really, really dislike it, because it's not going to change all that much, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, if there was something in it that intrigued me, because there's, there's lots of films that I've that you could class as bad that I've rewatched, or films that I own because they are like the third part of a trilogy, for example, and so the completest, mm-hmm. completest in me is like, ah, oh, go on, then I suppose I'll have to. Um, yeah. And there's films that I would still see. I'm trying to think of the, the best example, and it's it's very typical of me. Um, would be Spider-Man 3, which is a movie that I don't under any circumstances like, but I own it and I'm able to see some really awesome moments in that film, yeah. um, which is weird because I would still say it overall not great. Um, but I don't... I, initially, maybe I, I own it because it's part of like a box set of all the Spider-Man films, but I would probably do so anyway because there's a couple of good scenes, if that makes sense, and moments that are cool. Yeah. Um, but there's also some painful stuff as well. So. Mm. But anyway. But um, before we do get into the film, we do have to cover some sad news. Would you like to take this, Mr. Michael? Yeah, um, it was just, uh, I, I did want to, I couldn't really carry on without saying, um, we are recording this again on the 6th of July, uh, and we just heard sad news yet again yesterday that we lost uh, Richard Donner, um, director of many things, most notably Superman the movie, um, which is why I wanted to say something, because we did start this whole podcast by reviewing his uh, Superman movie. Um, and if you've listened to the episode, you'll know how kind of important that film is to me and what it means to me 
as a human being and as a film fan and uh, I just wanted to say kind of w- what I said on Twitter I'll echo it here because I couldn't really say it better which was just that the man has a legacy that's definitely going to live on and I just wish that I could have met and thanked him um, something did really speak to my soul in that movie as I've made clear and uh, it got me through a lot so I owe him more than I could really tell him but I do hope somewhere that he knows that and uh, feels the love as there's been an outpouring on sort of social media since the news broke um, not not that he just directed Superman I don't want to make that the impression because there's a lot of classics we're talking like Goonies Lethal Weapon The Omen Scrooged Conspiracy Theory all films that I would say are good to great to absolutely excellent um, but nothing will mean as much to me as Superman 1978 and even heck the Superman 2 Richard Donner cut so RIP but um, celebration of a long life he was 91 I believe and uh, a heck of a cinematic legacy so yeah yeah and it's quite sad that we've had to do like what is it now the last three or four recordings we've done for both podcasts we've had to start with a death so it is a sad time yeah but yeah um, to maybe brighten our spirits a bit patient zero um maybe not but yeah it's it's not a very nice time and we have to review a film that is far from good so yeah um well, i guess we if it helps well, the very uh, the very first notes that i made if it helps are, are about things that i found deeply hilariously bad <laughs> so oh, it's God, kind of, okay there's, <laughs> there's something funny to it if you know what i mean um and it really literally is about the um the intro to the film yeah. Um, you know how it does like first of all I love the fact that it it goes to all the trouble of showing like exposition about how the virus happened and stuff by the news mm. <laughs> but then in the middle of that hilariously it goes to the full on melodramatic they killed everyone women children <laughs> and I just I just went straight my mind went straight to the Star Wars prequels and did the really bad thing about like he even killed younglings because <laughs> it just sounded so cheesy yeah. But the worst, most egregious thing is that we get like a solid two minutes of exposition from news reports. Then Matt Smith does a voiceover with the same exposition. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's repeated at the other. end as well. <laughs> like, do one or the other. We don't need both. You know yeah. I mean? And especially, I think it, it could make sense if the film as a whole was just had some Smith narrating over it as opposed to just having him mm. repeat what was said at the start with the news reports and then again at the end like I would have disliked this film even more if it was just voiceover 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 so I'm glad they didn't but again your point that just then it makes no sense that they had it repeat itself and then again it feeds mm. into a criticism I do at, at the end it's like oh, we'll get to it later I'm not going to jump straight to the end straight away no no but, no that's fine uh, yeah so we're introduced to Matt Smith's um, character who plays Morgan in this one um, I guess I should explain what this film is for the people that haven't actually seen it um, so I'll quickly go over it before we do get into our notes and whatnot. Uh, it's a science fiction horror film directed by Stefan oh dear god Rizuriski. Good luck. <laughs> Stefan Rizuriski. Uh what is he known for he is known for absolutely junk I, I don't know any of this I don't think he is um, like anything notable to be honest but oh, yeah poor guy. I haven't checked yeah but this is his latest attempt at a film so um, but yeah there was a bit more for this several studios were interested in acquiring the rights and I think he was actually listed in like some awards thing it's a really weird award to get the most promising script and it was like in the top 10 most promising scripts and I think if that's some promising scripts 
God forbid what the worst scripts were that were submitted for that awards, like Christ. But the problem is... Well, to be fair, we don't know what the original script was like. We can't really judge it, but um, yeah, I'm sure it would have to be significantly different. different to the film. Yeah. And I just think this feeds into recursion like this. It, hmm. The execution-wise, I didn't look at it from a story perspective. I looked at it just like like a producer would, just like how it was made. And I, one of the glaring problems with this film was the setting. Um, it was very yeah. restricted location. And I think, yes, uh, it's based under siege, essentially. But all of the sets were so uninspired. And, like, I was laughing when we were introduced as Matt Smith's character because then he walked down um, the stairs and then he's got all these rabies people around him. First of all, why weren't they quarantined or, like, put under protection or something like that? But that's besides the point. And he's just looking around all these people. And I just think, is this seriously the best you can do? It's just, like, a building with some subdued lighting and that's what you call a set. Like, no. Yeah, that that was a problem in my eyes, but that was that. Yeah, I made the sorry to jump in. I made the exact same note, which is that it just looks cheap because it's clearly all one set, and you can tell it's just like the production company hired a big warehouse, mm. and we're like, this will do. So ninety percent of the film is filmed in that one set. I mean, there's different rooms, but it's the same place. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it you, you I guess you could argue it's to make it feel claustrophobic, but it doesn't. It just comes off as cheap, not least because, and I, I did send this to you that. I absolutely hate this thing. This isn't the only film to do it, but this thing that films do when they're trying to cover up looking cheap and they're also trying to be edgy and dark, which is they mm. just stick a dark blue filter over everything. Yeah. And it's just so unnatural and so garish, and I hate oh, it every no, time. Boy, that happens at the end. <laughs> Yeah, oh, and then at the end, there's not at the end. It's just darkness completely. Yeah, <laughs> give up on any lighting whatsoever. And the problem is, the first time I watched this, I noticed that um, instantly, and I thought, "Hey, this is the scene that was in the trailer." And in the trailer, I don't know if you've seen the trailer since you watched this, because I know you went into it blind. No, but by the end, you literally ended it with it being blind. But um, but yeah, the trailer, you can literally see it quite well. And then obviously in post production, they just shafted it for the final edit. And I thought well i kind of understood the criticism but then i thought how would it look if this was genuinely happening and that's how it would look if it was genuinely happening but it doesn't translate well to film because you gotta think i looked out for the lights and there were no lights so naturally the only uh, the only light source you're gonna have is the moonlight and the moon wasn't particularly out on that night so you're not gonna see much but again it just doesn't translate well to a movie and sometimes you just gotta think yeah why not chuck a chuck a light in it's like the cavern scene from uh smith episode time of angels like he uh, gets everyone to turn their torches off and then you still have the light of his torch which shouldn't illuminate their faces but does just because they need to see the face and i think this is where this film fails but again that's towards the end but yeah, we may as well uh, talk about the performances. Uh, I know we've had a bit of a squabble about this um, privately. Oh. And I just want to make it clear now. I do not think Matt Smith in this film was good. And neither do you. Yeah. That being said, uh, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't, don't think he's a negative. I don't think he's a negative. I just think he wasn't good. And I think him being a positive in my eyes to this film shouldn't be like, oh, I'm biased towards Matt Smith. It should be more of everything else is so poor that I will take a straw where I can grasp. 
the, the way that I would phrase it is that he's on autopilot, but he's a very good actor, so it's it's not like his autopilot is bad. It's just that you don't really get the next level of performance because he's just going through the motions, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, which, you know, if you're a good enough actor, fair play, especially if you're not getting good direction, then you just fall back on what you know and, and fair enough. But I wouldn't say he was bad at all. He just wasn't particularly inspired you know? yeah and it just makes me respect his performance as the doctor so much more because i watched a film the other day as you know his house and one of the big selling points of the film is that it has matt smith in it and i watched it just because it's got matt smith and i know it's a horror and i'm trying to get into horror so i can watch halloween kills with a somewhat educated opinion on horror and i watched it and he was barely in it he was in it for about oh, 10 minutes of total screen time and i was scared over three acts of the film and basically I d- the same as the Terminator film I showed you yeah. where he's in it for so about I, the same I think he's definitely it. been wasted since yeah. um, Doctor, he left Doctor Who but this is the one film where he's got a really really big role and I think the fact that it's not acclaimed is very disappointing and um, I must say again it gives me a newfound respect for him in Doctor Who and especially in The Snowman because I think his range in that episode is fantastic and um yeah it just makes this seem more unnatural for for me i couldn't see his doctor mannerisms in this but i'm aware you did and then i think about episodes like nightmare in silver the snowman where he's doing a lot of acting you know a lot of different acting and i think if you if you think this is matt smith doing a couple of different tones and stuff like that i completely disagree because i can point you in the direction of the snowman where he's or the impossible astronaut where he's just fantastic and he's flipping off emotions where in this he's just very similar i would say i mean if you're if you're listing great performances not that i'm wanting to devolve the episode into that but like i say i know he's a great actor because i would shout out similarly the doctor's wife or the day of the doctor or the time of the doctor mm. um you know there's a there's a lot of great mass performances as the doctor but other than the like i said 10 minutes in terminator and i think there was another film i can't remember i haven't really seen him acting much because i don't watch the crown but i've heard he's good in it mm. but as yes. i mentioned to you I'm, I'm i'm really intrigued because he's the main villain in the morbius movie that's coming out next year which is like a comic book movie about yeah. the living vampire guy i'm so looking so, forward to that in last night in soho yeah. come on come on please release that soon <laughs> oh i forgot he was in yeah last night in soho should be really intriguing as well yeah i completely forgot he was in that so yeah yeah, that'll be interesting too yeah but again not to like take away your shine but you did make a point that you found Gormer was very good in this while we were yeah I thought um she's she's doing her best bless her um you can tell that she's allowed to keep her accent and is the only one that is because they were like oh sexy british scientist chick yeah this is a this is a role we can fall into and I did make one note that I found it hilarious that they even gave her a union flag mug just to reinforce the fact that she's British. Yeah. I was like, oh my word, come on, people. Yeah. But yeah, I thought at the start of the film in particular, I thought she was really good. That one scene when she's having a confrontation with the colonel, who's not mm. good at any point, um, mm. but when she's kind of arguing with him and she's standing her ground, I was like, oh, this is actually a really good performance. And she's she's standing up for herself. But then the it's her fault, but the actual plot just devolves into like soap opera bullshit and it's like oh mm. she's not interesting to me at all when she's just fawning after matt smith and then finding out she's pregnant from the world's worst sex scene <laughs> just, uh, and we know you like your but, sex scenes mike 
Whatever. I like them better than I like them to be better than that. That was honestly the the worst sex scene I've seen on I film. I mean, it I've was seen... meant it was meant to be of age. I guess it's not trying to be an eighteen. Yeah, no, but I've seen you know, like I say, it's the worst sex scene I've seen, and I've seen Watchmen. But you could do sex scenes without going full on, and it's just a question of there was no time that it was like fifteen seconds, and nobody removed their clothes. <laughs> but um, forgive me, the the biggest sort of gripe I have. That was a diversion. <laughs> Yeah, the biggest gripe I have which feeds into that is just that I didn't see any chemistry whatsoever between Matt Smith and Natalie Dom. I just didn't believe it at any I point. I think and that it's not... was the kind of the point. I think the point was you're not meant to root for them. You're meant to root for no. Matt Smith's character, well, and, like Morgan and um, the girl in the, in the locked-up room. And I think them not having nah. amazing chemistry isn't a problem in this film and I, I actually disagree because when uh, Nally Dormer because this was the point I was going to make like you say uh, she was good and she was the highlight whereas I would say the two lead actors Smith and Gomer were as good as each other because there was a scene uh, where she was explaining about oh um, I was right about New York you know the scene I'm on about right office oh yeah yeah in the um yeah like in the war room yeah kind of thing. and then yeah, she's yeah. doing like a monologue but then smith keeps jumping in and then delivering some of his lines and i just think they're bouncing off each other really well and like you said gomer was the highlight i'd argue they're both as good each other as a other. it's other because... with a d man that's gonna really oh, sorry. Uh, okay my bad but i sorry. think he doesn't allow her to fly away if that makes sense they they both fly as far as each other that's the yeah that's the script though but i would counter your point to say that if the film had made us want to root for matt smith and his actual like zombie girlfriend then fair enough but the film undercuts and completely pisses on that idea at the end of the movie because then it he yeah leaves the ending with is crap Dormer. And it's just amazing that he he has the quickest freaking emotional turnaround in any movie because he's like, I'm not leaving my girlfriend behind. I I would only ever care about her. I'm doing everything for her. Yeah, but that, and then uh, he he is that girlfriend. until he dies in front. Uh, she dies in front of him, and then he has to move on. Yeah, but yeah he has to move on but nobody in the world moves on so quickly as to two seconds later be like, oh me you and the baby together forever. Yay! Good I was point. like. You've barely even mourned her. You know? If if he if he finished the movie crying or like some emotion, I could definitely see like it was a good performance. But it was just like there was no emotion, and I do agree with you. I think if Smith was crying when he kind of um, climbed the ladder and was on the motorbike and was very reminiscent of what happened, then I could definitely get behind that. Like at the end, it's like a very blanket umbrella statement, like oh, the remnants of humanity. Why not say something like? I'm going to do this in memory of my girlfriend or something like that. Yeah. To yeah, make it personal. But that's the thing is that it goes into no emotional depth because there's real potential for conflict and actual exploration in the fact that it even sets up that he wanted children and his girlfriend kind of wasn't overly fussed. Mm. Um, but, but then at the end of the movie, he just immediately is like, hey, I love you and this kid all of a sudden. I was like, you could have done something with like, okay, I'll stay with you, but only for the sake of my child because I've always wanted kids or whatever. Yeah. But instead, it's just a complete 360, like, oh, never mind her. We're going to live together and be happy forever now. Yay. Mm. <laughs> I can tell oh. we're going to disagree with the next point, but I actually really like the <laughs> pregnancy. Um, well, I, I don't... Okay, uh, no, I'm going to rephrase that. I do not really like the pregnancy thing, but I think... My problem with it stems differently from your stem, if that makes sense. Like, I think, yeah. how, how, what, what are your opinions on the pregnancy thing? And then I'll kind of. I just don't like it. It's, it's, 
it's cheesy as heck. It's remarkably convenient that it sets up that he wants kids, then they get pregnant after one incredibly lame sex session. Um, and it's just soap opera bullshit, and it, it devolves the characters into, like, cliche, and it's just like, ugh. I can't be arsed with that yeah, level of melodrama. It's that one-time thing. I don't think it was a one-time thing because again it's different for some people but you don't love someone after the first time like she says oh i love you uh, in the scene when they're together I think she's just pining for him i think it was definitely the first time because he wouldn't oh. be cheating on his girlfriend constantly i think the whole point was that that was a lapse in judgment once because he's not going to be like oh, i love her and i'm not giving up on Perhaps, her but he i don't be... think it established it either way because it's like he showed no remorse he showed no kind of like I I pointed out to uh, before uh, the film. Started. I think I think he does show remorse, but it's in subtext because you have that scene where she she's literally as good as telling him forget her and come off and live with me and be happy with me and all the rest of it. And he's like, no, I'm never giving up on her. Which is the subtext there is her saying, I love you, let's be together and whatever, and him saying, no, it was a mistake, a one off kind of thing, and I'm still always going to be about my girlfriend. Which again makes the scene at the end all the more stupid that he's like, oh well, never mind. Yeah. But, um, yeah but yeah let's go from a more chronological perspective now um so we first get introduced to some characters we get met with the colonel um i'm sure you love the colonel uh we get met with i think it's scooter and general pierce but general pierce is a bit later uh we get the professor who again comes in a bit later pete townsend and joe cocker interestingly what did you think of all the naming and all the music aspects of this film it also struck me as just hilariously cliche because if it was just for the sake of it then fair enough but then to have the flashback the awful flashback which is like he works in a record shop that's why he knows and it's like oh you don't need to explain people can just be music fans i didn't need to be like oh that explains his character trait it's like no you're doing too much really there if you know what i mean yeah but if I may do go on to a positive now, I do really like the bit where he's speaking um, in English. Well, in English when you the camera pans into the room, but when the camera's outside of the glass room, he's speaking in the uh, villain's language. And then I think that's a really good directional, you know, uh, choice. Do you know what I'm on about? Like right at the start when the first one's been changed and he sat down on the chair asking the questions and the camera goes into the glass and then he speaks English. I didn't really notice him speaking anything other than English, but that was another issue that I had, um, is that you have to kind of picture, because obviously they're not speaking English, because then you have the parts of, um, you know, the other people not understanding and asking what's being said. And if you just check out and- That gets thrown to the, the wind at the end. Do you know the yeah. bit at the end where, like he says something to the creature and then they both react? And I think, who are you saying that to? You have to differentiate, but then if you do differentiate, that kind of just snaps you out of the tension. So, like, if you if Matt Smith had to explain himself twice, I guess he could because in Doctor Who he says something, he can say something to one person and then quickly snap. But just the script didn't allow him to. It was like he says it once and then they both understand and I think what? Mm. See, that's the thing is is that on a basic level, I don't I don't like the idea of the zombies in this because they don't. They don't even stick to like what what they are or why they make sense. So like I was as I was getting at like if you imagine 
that we aren't really supposed to be hearing them speaking English. That's like a movie trope idea. Mm. Picturing the scene where he's interrogating Stanley Tucci's kind of infected person and just picturing them speaking in like, I don't know, growls or whatever language he is while he's like casually smoking a cigarette. And being, mm. I was like, that's hilarious. That's so fucking stupid if you picture what it must actually be like. Yeah. <laughs> Again, another positive. I do really like the scene where Matt Smith uh, exits in a fit of rage after the colonel does shoot the creature. I do think that was a piece of really good acting um, and I don't think it was very easy for him or anyone else to overact in that situation but I think it was a pretty good moment and um, yeah like the colonel was a bad character I'm not going to gloss around that he was a dreadful character and the big bloke uh, Matt Smith's mate you also didn't like him and I completely <laughs> I like the line that he gave like I choose to laugh or something like that like that was a good moment but it was said with very little conviction and I just thought okay I'm rooting for the colonel kind of here <laughs> Yeah, I just didn't... As I mentioned to you, um, John Bradley, uh, I think is the actor's name, um, he starred with Natalie Dormer in Game of Thrones as Sam Tarly, and he's really good in that role. Um, but here, I just thought his performance was terrible. It doesn't help that he, him, arguably like Smith, they're putting on pretty bad American accents, and that's just my opinion, but I think mm. they're pretty bad. But his is easily worse. And then the fact that he's just the kind of... He's the comedy cliche sort of sidekick-type character... Um, it's just like oh this is and he's investing it with nothing it's just really basic and yeah I just I, I didn't care for that character but then again I don't think I cared for any of the characters it was just uh, it, it was just flat like I said but I know he's a good actor because I've seen him do stuff mm. but that was another um, another point that I did make which is because because the nature of these creatures and, and the infection and whatever is so ill-defined I found it hard to feel any tension when his character got bitten and was like don't let me turn into one of them because it's like well what are the stakes if you do because his girlfriend is living a perfectly well not perfectly fine but a fairly fine yeah. life sort of in confinement fairly you know he can communicate with her he's trying to cure her with these drugs and stuff so it's obviously not like a completely irreversible thing or so, so you, you don't get to do that to have the kind of don't let me become one of those horrible monsters and then immediately point out that they're not horrible <laughs> monsters if you know what I mean because yeah. it's like well so what are your stakes here I don't understand um, mm. but I did uh, on the more positive side I really did like the kind of um, the potential Ooh, moral he's dilemma he's making a positive note thank god I don't make it um, I loved the potential moral dilemma which I wish they could have gotten into more which was when the colonel who is clearly like meant to be an asshole and the bad guy and you never agree with him um shoots and kills sam tarley <laughs> from game yeah. of thrones um and i was like oh what a bastard but then when he actually hits him with you promised him and i was like see that's there's nuggets of uh, really good ideas if you could deliver on them you know yeah, what i mean I, I think that felt like they were trying obviously trying to make you root for him but the fact is he's a complete arsehole so you can't root for him so yeah, they, were yeah, no, to, yeah. they were trying to do it but i just didn't connect with it whatsoever uh it's not so much that i connected with the performance or the or the thing it was more the idea like if this yeah. had been a if this had been a more typical zombie movie and they were typical zombies and it's like once you're dead that's death you're not coming back you're mindless you're eating flesh and brains and stuff and you know matt smith's character had promised john bradley I'll, i won't let it happen to you and then that line was delivered i'd be like wow that's actually a really cool moment but in this film it just comes across like well you're well aware that that's not because you know Smith has people like locked up that he's trying to cure and stuff, you now just come across as an asshole for shooting and killing him because there's no logic to why he should be so afraid of it anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I actually am going to uh, go on to another positive now. Uh, you'd think I actually like this film, but uh, I genuinely don't. Um, but the scenes with his girlfriend in the in like the basement, I actually, lockers, do you like? I this? said they were. I said they were positive as well because, unlike I would say, Smith and Dormer have no chemistry whatsoever. They're like a wet fish. But Smith and <laughs> Smith and whoever this character, this actress is, I really wish I got her name. What's the character, um, Janet? If so, is Agnes Dayan. Agnes Dean, yes, that's Agnes right. Dean. I did look it up at one point. Um, so yeah, I thought Smith and Agnes Dean actually had really good chemistry, especially when she's working through terrible sort of script idea about like you're a zombie, but you're not. Um, and she's got these sort of terrible half and half prosthetics and stuff, and they're having to act through a cage. Um, and yet still, I felt their chemistry, um, as I did in the flashbacks, even though I didn't really like them as an idea, and I thought they were hokey. I thought at least you saw their relationship in them, and they were actually. You know, I believed them as a couple a heck of a lot more than I believed Smith and Dormer at any point, including at the end when you're supposed to be like, oh, heroes have ridden off. And it's like, I, do, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I really do not give a shit. <laughs> and again, I was going to point out at the start of like of this review, I actually did mention it to you, like, look out for a line and look out for uh, Smith's response to this line. I initially thought I need a doctor. And then I thought we looked up at him and like, oh, do you know who I am? But it's actually, is it the doctor in terms of she's slatching on to the relationship? And then he looks up at her in shock that she can tell. Uh, so it's not the kind of the same scenario as I thought it was like, oh, I thought that was like an Easter egg. But then it does actually make sense. But I do think the writer probably intentionally did that. Yeah. And then have Smith look up like that. But yeah, I do like their chemistry even though they weren't together much i think they were far better as you say when they were in the cage as opposed to just running about at the end where they didn't really do much with each other uh so to speak but yeah i the flashback scenes they're I, i'm just gonna say it they're bad like i like when they get bitten I do like the fact that he didn't turn and that he could communicate with them i do think that was an interesting concept but i don't think it was I don't it think it's the best me, concept, but it's okay. It made me laugh because it's it's such a rip off. It's Blade from the Marvel comics and films, yeah. who is half half vampire because his mum was bitten when he was born, so he can he has all of the strengths of a vampire and all of the weaknesses. And I was like, really, this guy's just Blade. You're not even making any effort to pretend you're having an original idea. It's just like, ugh. It, it was alright. It, it was alright. Um, I thought it was cheesy as heck and it didn't make a whole ton of sense why he would not turn but still be I able mean, to talk to them that and... was explained by Scooter or not Scooter by um, I think it was the professor yeah no. Stanley Tucci who makes a Tucci. point to, to, Tucci towards Tucci the end yeah. who was saying like uh, who's to say uh, we're not personalized and I just gotta think okay they're trying something here but as Matt Smith's character said we're just going round and round in circles talking about random bullshit and I completely agreed I was like thank god the writer actually yeah. acknowledged that he's writing absolute dog shite like yeah, that's that makes sense you said to me <laughs> you messaged me about 55 minutes into the film I'm born now how is there still half hours to go and then the moment that I found myself bored in I didn't look at the clock until I was literally about 40 no 54 minutes in 56 minutes in around that region it's like holy crap we got bored at the same time and this was when we are with the professor for mm. about 20 minutes talking about nonsense that doesn't yeah. add to the story it just is it's just to pad out 
a story to make it movie length and i think it's yeah, crap I thought the same thing, but I know a lot of people have said this is their favorite part of the film because they're two great actors. And I think I can see where they're coming from, but I did know that that scene, that interrogation, is it just goes on too long. Yeah. So it stops being compelling and well-acted and just lapses into being awful because it goes on forever and they don't say anything. So it's yeah, just I, like, I think from a rain perspective, it. it's awful. From a pacing perspective, it's awful. But I can yeah. definitely see the positives in the acting because they are both two yeah, fab yeah. actors and I do think they performed the uh, the scenes really well. And you yeah. did mention to me when the music comes on and he's like, Sir and Smith's is circling, that was a bit of a negative for you. But I did disagree. Like, he was exactly the same performance. Like, he, it didn't descend. It was just the music was obnoxious. So you could kind of I, take it out on the actor rather than the fact yeah. that it's just the music being obnoxiously loud. I didn't say he was bad in that scene. I was talking about there was a scene with one of the it's either Pete Townsend or, or the other Joe Cocker where yeah. he puts the music on and I think he acts very very much like the angry kind of 11th Doctor type thing that I've seen in a lot of episodes oh again, are you like, on about um, after his mate's been killed and then like the second yes. hostage that makes sense now okay yeah because that's all I could see was like well this is just your angry 11th Doctor kind of fallback that you can do and I'm not seeing I'm only seeing that character, which is, I mean, it's partly my bad, but likewise, I just thought in that scene, the writers just made no effort to disguise the fact that he was just giving exposition. So instead of having any emotional core to it, it's just Matt Smith explaining to somebody that music hurts him. And I'm like, he knows. You don't need to, like, you're explaining this for the audience and nah. making no effort to hide nah, the fact. No, nah, I think they've, they explained it earlier in the film, like, uh, they react differently and it's not, like, as bad as that because he's explaining it or, like, he's talking about it to the other character and he makes a point of... Like, when he's making his notes, he's saying, oh, it's reacting negatively and then suddenly you have this character that's not reacting negatively and no, then, no, and then he says you're meant to be and then he says who says that is personalised and I think oh that's yeah. actually pretty you've cool gone, you've, you've gone ahead of me again I'm not talking about when he's interrogating Tucci I'm talking about with, with I think it's Pete Townsend the second guy mm. when there's a whole scene where he's shouting over the music but all he's doing is telling the character things the character would already know so, but it's, like, it's for the audience's benefit so it's like oh yeah you don't like that do you yeah you, we found out you guys don't like music it gives you some kind of pain response and that's what and I was like he knows why are you telling him this this is for perhaps us. he's you, probably just trying to break him down well yeah like but he's you don't trying do that to by telling him by stating the obvious to him yeah but the thing I mean? is he's being in when he's down he's like if you're in a really bad mood you would hate for me or someone just to say oh you're in a bad mood because of this this ha 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 like that would suck nobody would talk it, to you like that though it works for him no, no nobody would talk like that it's, it's badly done exposition which a lot of people keep having issues with to me when there's things that I'm talking about but mm. I think that's one of the most egregious examples is that you could easily have done that scene with him you know discussing with the, to tell the general guy who may not have heard it before that oh we have discovered that they respond negatively to music or tell the scientist yo we we've been working this long and all we've discovered is they don't like music but don't have a scene where he's telling somebody actively what is happening to them it would be like stabbing somebody mm. with a knife and then going oh we found out knives hurt you that hurts doesn't it well duh 
But yeah, uh, if we're going on to the final interrogation scene again, like we have established, it's really bad. The pacing, the ways, the story, the, like the script, it just keeps going on and on in circles, as literally Morgan's character said. And then we go to the final guy, the professor, um, who is the guy in, in question, but he's actually the professor of a university. And I cannot stress how much I hate this sequence. I think it's done so rubbish. You oh. know, all the, like, he's running and then he gets bitten by a guy oh. who's in a school uniform. And I just think that's wacky. Like, at least, the least you could do is rip the clothes off the student. That sounds really oh, no, I, I, But I just think, I, like, a if you're a zombie and you are a creature you're gonna have ragged clothes like the average dude to have or like a perfectly neat um jacket it makes no sense to me and i think they could have done better from a directing point of view i was fine with that scene because it's a common horror trope which is to take the familiar and make it scary so the whole point is the juxtaposition between like the innocent school kid and the fact that he's going to rip you apart. Um, but, yeah. I mean, like uh, on another level, the reason could well be that, as we've established, these creatures aren't really that savage and feral. So maybe he, you know what I mean? It's, you, you can't say that and then have Stanley Tucci sitting having a smoke in the interrogation, like, hey, I'm actually more intelligent than you are. I just like to eat people, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just comes across as ridiculous because then, you, like I said, you lose all sort of tension because it's like so are they all like that and they're all just kind of mm. they're gonna eat one person and then sit next to another and go oh i'm so sorry that was very uncouth but i i still have my higher functions i just like eating people <laughs> and it's so stupid as a concept from yeah. execution to and to the listeners so. of this podcast michael is a big fan of horror so yeah. uh of course he's going to be very passionate about why he thinks this film doesn't work because it is a horror trying to do horror cliches and you can see right through that and he absolutely hates it uh speaking of horror there's a scene towards <laughs> the end where actually not i'm not going to get to the rat yet quite yet <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to get there yet just yet because i know you're very passionate about that as well um mm. but yeah other than that uh, we get the scenes where like the creatures pounce on these innocent bystanders I'm not quite sure why they were there were they trying to protect themselves from the outside world were they the families were they it was yeah the infected, I, I read it but not turned I read it as um, this again this is probably going to be lost on you but have you ever seen the Matrix films I wish I had but they, they're ah, on my watch damn. list um, well, there's a city where it's basically the last survivors of humanity from Machine War, um, which is how I read this, was like this is the last surviving people that haven't been infected. And they just live underground now because it's the most protected place. Mm. So they were all just basically like civilians because obviously we deal with the scientists and the colonels and whatever, um, but they were just your average kind of, you know, wives, kids, and homemakers and whatever else mm. um, who were just trying to live. And that's why it was all the more kind of like, oh my gosh, they've gotten in and they're attacking the last surviving pure humans or whatever. But again, they, they could have done way more to emphasize that. But yeah, um, other than that, I guess we can talk about the rats. My issue with the rat is that on both of its appearances, the CGI is terrible. So the very first time it appeared was laughable when it's in the cage and everything. But then it was, it was comical. I legitimately laughed out loud when they were in the <laughs> vents. And then they come up and the fucking CGI rat is in the way and it's the threat facing them. And I genuinely did text you all in capitals. 
oh my gosh, they are not being attacked by the fucking terrible CGI rat. <laughs> Surely not. This is not what's happening right now. I was like, oh, they are. They're doing that. I was like, no. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> so it, it was just, yeah, hilariously bad. Yeah. All right. Do you want to jump back? What what avenues? Not don't go through all of them because I know you have plenty. But I like, have a few, but not points. really all that many. Um, I didn't like the any of the voiceovers when it kept lapsing into it throughout the film. Um, but I guess that even feeds into the ending, which is kind of barely an ending, and even that ends with a voiceover that goes nowhere. I really was not cool with the misogyny from the colonel um, because it didn't come across as like I get that he's the bad guy and all the rest of it, but I was like, this is a little bit misogynist even in the the writing of it if you know what i mean when he's very like um, never trust a bitch that's what we always say kind of thing and i was like oh this is a little bit too much you know what i mean um matt smith goes on at length about how he's all about not giving up and he doesn't give up on his girlfriend or whatever but doesn't address the fact that he completely gave up on his best mate (laughs) but um, i know that was kind of forced Uh, the the um what you call John Bradley from from Game of Thrones. I get that it was forced on him that he was shot by somebody else. Give up? He was dead. Yeah, no, but like even before that, he gives up because he's like, we gotta cut his arm off. We can't let him get infected because if he gets infected, the worst happens. Whereas I've already said, it's kind of like, well, not really. You would just lock him up in a cage next to your girlfriend and be like, oh well, guess we're giving you the treatments now as well. It goes, but like they had the scene uh, right next to it where they go to see his son and like it's his birthday, and then they say the nice words about missing the father. And I think that was a nice moment, and I do think he cares. So I don't agree with that criticism. That was uh, that was mine that was my next note yeah i was gonna say it the film is it's a short enough film but it was still slow and boring and i didn't see where it was going it didn't seem to be very focused but a couple of positives just to you know just just to get into them because i've been very negative for a lot of times in a row um, and the first one was that i did really like the emotional beat of like it turns out that um when he's talking about like remembering his son's birthday and everything i figured his son was like alive somewhere amongst the civilian population mm. but the fact that he's actually one of the graves and that um smith and dormer like visit his son's grave and stuff i was like that's a really nice emotional touch um but it's just a shame it doesn't last all that long and the film doesn't have more moments like that um and the other thing i noticed was despite all of how much i hated the way that the film was lit i actually thought it was really well done in the scenes in the university but that's only because the rest (laughs) of it is lit so badly that as soon as i was in a setting where there was an actual light on i was like oh my god i can see people look at this (laughs) yeah um but yeah so having said that and this this is going to get me a lot of shit from horror fans even though i've claimed i was one I did think that in those flashbacks, the scenes when Tucci has been infected and he goes home and kind of kills his entire family, I thought they were way too over the top. I that's, thought a, it, it, that's dreadful, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was just crass. It was really gross and sick and, and like borderline offensive. I don't think it needed to be that level of um, like visceral and in your face. Uh, again, there's a lot of horror fans that'll be like, oh, that's what horror is, you, you're weakling or whatever. But I'm like, no, there's, there's limits when it's somebody's like emotional connection no. what yeah like um, both really but like the, the the way that he he pulls no punches about like and I was feeling this way right until I started eating her heart and then his daughter came in and saw him doing it and I was like ah oh. somebody somebody who with a really sick mind wrote this to be like this and it's kind <laughs> of like yeah. what, what I, I really worry for the twisted mind that's like ooh what if a really young like 
four-year-old daughter saw him eating bits of... Uh, I was like, why would you write that? That's horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, the final ten minutes is where it, like, plunges off a bloody cliff. Uh, yeah. So we did mention at the start where, like, he talks about uh, this one thing and he responds to it. That, like this creature and we're not sure of what language it speaks in just because they both respond and we find that a bit stupid but another criticism I did have of this particular scene is where they're fighting and then they're both stabbed and then like uh, he gets off of it and then there's like a wide shot and you think holy crap that like sharp thing is huge like that's the size of a heart like in diameter and I just think that's not like a little tiny cut that bleeds that's like that's brutal that that would kill you and the fact that he just ends the uh, film like running about climbing a ladder I just think and he just walks around and he's fine he's not even in a lot of pain and I just think yeah either obviously it was CGI obviously it was green screen and obviously he may not have been told uh, how big it was into that out of context like how <laughs> how big the weapon was uh, again out of context well, how do I explain this how big the lethal the weapon of destruction was. <laughs> yeah, how big the wound was so like maybe the, he didn't know how much emotion to put into it but I do think again it's down to who uh, who's at fault here it could be an acting problem it could be a directing problem I but I just don't think it worked it's common amongst a lot of movies and it's it's not specific to this movie so i'll cut it that slack level that it happens in a ton of movies that it's a regular kind of hollywood thing which is to have somebody look grievously injured but then be like oh it's okay it missed all the vital organs and then two seconds later they're running about fighting and it's like yes it might have missed all the organs that would kill you but it's still gonna hurt like fuck for a while yeah. you're not gonna be like yeah um so yeah that, yeah, that was a dreadful moment I'm with you on that one, yeah. Yeah, and then we climbed the ladder after the sacrifice. Uh, again, we did touch on the sacrifice, so I'm just going to jump over it as opposed to just saying, like, to repeat ourselves, it was bad, it was crap, it was mm. dramatic, it didn't work. And then we get the final scenes, well, the final scene where they're just setting up the bike, which, first of all, how did the zombies not hear them because there were so many of them everywhere and they were just, they weren't exactly making it quiet, a quiet point to keep themselves not known and then all of a sudden it's pitch black they climb yeah. the ladder and pitch black and I could not see a bloody thing I just saw the silhouettes <laughs> and again I I have to praise it in one respect as in that is what it would look like probably but it just doesn't translate well at all to a movie screen yeah um, absolutely um, I didn't get the directing decision of why can't you see the end bit when it specifically is crucial like why did you put it in complete darkness mm. and for your, for all of your like realistically that's what it would be like well if that's the case they'd be devoured by now because they've established that these infected things aren't like typical shambling slow zombies no. um, they're, they're fast and they're going to take you down and if it really was as dark as like you couldn't see a few inches in front of you which it was because I couldn't even see what the heck was happening mm. um, the idea that they're suddenly like amazing night vision and get straight to a bike and clear off was just stupid to yeah. me so it's like I don't get why you didn't like that scene better um, I've seen it done I mean I'm not an expert on these things unfortunately I'd wish to I wish I was and I was a great director but I've seen scenes like that where it's like you have to have a realistic light source for the audience to be able to see things which is why you have like a scene where somebody puts on the front lamp of a bike or something um, that lights up just enough that you're able to see something yeah. um, because you've set it at night so fair enough you need a light source but to just basically abandon that and just think oh we'll just have no light source and they can just see the barest glimpse of things in the dark 
was a really poor decision for me. Mm. Mm. Okay, do you want to jump into that? Before because... we get right to the oh, yeah. right to the very end, I'll I'll just go. There's only a handful of notes, but I just how said, many did you do? Um, <laughs> a few, I told you. You you skipped over the part where Natalie Dormer's character shoots the colonel, um, t- which I said I'm sure this is mm. supposed to be tense. I just burst out laughing. It was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was not the uh, intended uh, reaction. I'm sure that the filmmakers were going for, but I was like no ridiculous um i was completely checked out by the last 20 minutes not engaged or sucked in the world or whatever uh, at, at all so even as the infected were attacking and it should be like oh what's gonna happen I, I just thought i don't care about any of these people i just want the film to end so at this point i just massacre them all and end the movie i'd be <laughs> perfectly fine um and then the, the cheesy it's, it's a very small line delivery but the delivery of oh my it's a massacre was really cheesy as well yeah. um, and the stuff of them in the vents uh, was a complete rip off of the movie Resident Evil if you've ever seen it mm. uh, which uh, again I, I can't believe they didn't even remotely try to disguise it there's a scene in that movie where they're in vents and they're over like cells full of zombies and mutant creatures and trying not to fall in and i was like this is exactly the same scene um and then yeah ending with the another massive cliche which is the monster fighting the monster to free people but one's on your side and kind of it's been done in a thousand places and it's never super smart uh and finally um the I just don't like the fact that the, the infected apparently have the super skill to be able to sense whether you're pregnant, which comes out of absolutely nowhere. Just apropos of nothing, like, oh, I can sense the baby. What? Why? It, <laughs> it's again, no it's sense like to the point where he, the professor says, like, in many ways, we are better than humans. And again, mm. I think you made a point about the, like, the zombies at the end were established that they can see in the dark or they aren't these really rubbish zombies they are really advanced and i think to say they're advanced is a bit of a stretch yeah, in my opinion there's, there's advanced to the level of like oh they're infected but they're still able to do human things like run and chase you down and maybe see well in the dark but that's a huge leap from there to oh i can psychically sense that she's having a baby which there's maybe been nothing mother's instinct not mother's instinct because she's not a mother but just a woman's that, instinct well that's also cheesy then it still it doesn't change the fact that like i said that the reveal of that was like what yeah yeah i just didn't i didn't buy it i thought it was cheesy fair enough um and this is the time in the podcast where we go into the audience interaction section of the podcast i did remember that and i definitely didn't just get interrupted by michael to say <laughs> plug this bit uh, so i'm going to hand over to michael to do the audience. <laughs> i can't believe i've just done that the audience interaction section uh, i know we did get some more interaction uh, compared to previous weeks so mr michael would you like to take it away I would. Um, again, apologies we didn't do this section last week because quite simply I put out a tweet and all the other places asking if people had thoughts on Batman and Robin and nobody responded, so it seemed redundant. Um, but this week I did the same thing and I had a couple of responses on Twitter. The first one from Kiri, at Kiri is dumb who says, I was very, very, very happy drunk when I watched this. It was still one of the worst films I've ever seen. The cast was so hot. Matt Smith, Natalie Dormer, Stanley Tucci, but even their hotness couldn't save this dumpster fire of a film. Uh, and the other one is from at Philly Not Good Lawyer, another uh, Twitter friend of mine who said, it's truly a shame, Mike, because I think the source material for that was Jonathan Mayberry's book of the same name, which is Dynamite. Mm. So... 
I don't know if that's true, but I'm just going off what um, I'm being told here. Uh, the next one is actually from Letterboxd, and it's from a friend of mine called PLD, or Paul L. Denuzio, who um, does a lot of movie trivia work and hangs around in kind of schmoes servers and the like. Uh, his is a relatively long review-ish, because it's on Letterboxd, and he says, I often find myself looking to Letterboxd to see the rating films get before I see them. If it has 3.5 or better, I know it's good. If it's 3 to 3.5, I'll probably like it. If it's 2.5 to 3, I'll probably like it more than most, because I have a high tolerance for movies, I guess. When I see 2.4 or below, I know it's a shit show, but I have to see it because I want to see how bad it is. If I agree, it'll go under two stars for me. This one isn't quite that bad, but only just. What sucks is that it has a great cast, Matt Smith, Natalie Dormer, and Stanley Tucci ought to be enough, and Tucci nearly is. Conceptually, the film has a lot to offer, but in execution, it loses the plot and becomes a bit boring. I usually love Smith, but his American accent was distractingly bad. I will forgive him since the Smith-Tucci interrogating sequences were easily the best part of the film. The worst, one of the most abrupt non-ending endings I've seen in a film in a while. Blech. Another low light was Samuel Tarly getting bit, having to take his arm off, and then everyone is joking around like he didn't just lose an arm. It was just off-putting, to say the least. Uh, there was some good action, and as I said, I can pick and choose decent moments, but overall, not going to be a repeat view. So, uh, How many stars? Uh, he gave it, I believe, one and a half. Okay. So yeah, so we'll give uh, that. That'll end the audience interaction, and we'll move into ours. So, do you want to give your score first, or would you rather I give mine? Since uh, uh, you can go yours? first, because this was your first experience of the film, and I don't have a conclusion. Like I said, the the thing that um, bugged me is that I just I was bored quite a bit in the movie and checking the time, even though it's only an hour and a half long. None of the ideas really landed for me. It didn't grip me in any way. Um, I mentioned during the Batman and Robin review that it's awful, but at least it sucks you into the world and gets you engaged, whereas this just didn't engage me on any level. It, it's riddled with cliche and cheesiness and uh, things that go absolutely nowhere, and just the very central idea is nonsense, and, and I wasn't fond of it. But it's not the absolute worst, like, irredeemable thing in the world. There were a couple of things that I have mentioned already that um, stood out and, and were slight sort of diamonds shining through the turd so um, you know amongst them being Natalie Dormer especially at the start of the movie and um, some of the emotional beats and, and the start of things that don't quite go anywhere but they're good ideas um, so ultimately for me uh, I give this film one star out of five yeah that's fair enough I don't have a conclusion but I will just say this and I did explain it to you for a movie to be totally irredeemable it's gotta go from shite to shite to shite to shite to shite <laughs> so cosmic sin is a movie that came out this year i believe and it has got bruce willison and first of all it was confusing like everyone found it confusing because it literally makes no sense to the point i doubt the writer has any idea what he's watching when he does watch it back so it was first of all confusing second of all the effects and stuff were crap the cgi was crap and it made no sense again and the char the characters had no stakes. You didn't connect with any of the characters. They were just all there. And I think that's all the hallmarks of a irredeemable movie. This has most of those. But that's not saying it's a movie on the positive side whatsoever. Because it is definitely bad. But like Batman and Robin. It's bad. But there's some scenes that do elevate it to the point where it's like. It's bad but it's not to the point where it's absolutely dreadful i would say this is definitely weaker than batman and robin 
but I can't say it's far worse just because there are some really I was going to say some really nice moments but I'm not going to say that like there was some really nice moments with Batman and Robin but I don't think I don't think it's to the level of bads that it's like one star or half a star so I'm going to go in between your school and my old school which is actually a one and a half star uh, so I'm going to go with the same as Batman and Robin and I think that is pretty fair because again it goes consistently bad to bad to bad terrible bad 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 decent bad 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 as opposed to shit 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 so that's why it's a one and a half as opposed to a half a star or one we again similar kind of wrap up similar kind of schools um again there's not well, been a movie um, that where we rigorously disagreed with each other yeah well, I've just done the, the incredibly quick maths that wasn't at all necessary. And so I can announce that for the podcast overall, uh, for the average, our final score for Patient Zero is 1.25 stars. See, that was what I would have given it if I could, so 1.25. Like, it's not as good as yeah. um, Robin, so it's not a 1.5, but it is yeah, 1.5 yeah. because I just can't give it 1.25. But I don't think yeah, it's yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Not so much painful, but it was just not a pleasant experience. And... I don't want to waste another hour and a half on it, no, so yeah. It's a universally disliked film, I would say, but I wouldn't let me say just, uh, truly. Let me just double check. I, I probably should have said. Uh, um, I probably should have said earlier. I did want to mention that it wasn't even well regarded by the studio, which is never a great sign because it was filmed and then shelved and not released for four years and then released straight to DVD, which is never a great when sign. Was this film. Um, Oh, hang on. Well, it was released in so yeah, twenty eighteen. It was so it filmed in after he left Doctor Who. It was filmed in twenty fourteen. So yeah, probably straight after Doctor Who, if not during it. Actually, you see, that's uh, just because of the popularity of him in Doctor yeah. Who. So that would make sense. Just that release the film as soon as it was, it was done. So the fact that they shelved it just goes to show you can see why because it is bad. And if we're doing um, like reviews and stuff, let me just say. <laughs> Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, there are seven reviews. One of those reviews is positive, so it has a critic score of 14%. Rotten Tomatoes um, is a load of crap, though, let's be honest. I know, but I'm always well. IMDb know. is the um, police. And the audience score, it has a lot more things, but the average audience score comes out at 24%. There's so, 2.4, you could say. Yeah, or, or 1.4 from critics, but as you said, the critics thing is always a little bit iffy because it's so binary that you have to be it, it boils down to literally pass fail which is a little bit eh, there's no room for nuance there yeah uh, the audience reviews are a little better because you actually have to give it a star rating so but yeah anyway um it's kind of weird that there's only seven people that have reviewed it <laughs> but yeah, at least one person liked it apparently so there you go yeah uh, well that wraps up today's episode next week's episode again is one of michael's choices quote-unquote choices uh, Michael, what is the movie we'll be watching, thankfully, next week? Well, thankfully <laughs> watching next week, shall I say? Not well, thankfully you... next week, not this week, because I do want to watch it ASAP. <laughs> Let's hope you'd like it, first of all. But uh, yeah, so hold on to your butts uh, and make sure that all of the fences are electrified and the dinos are safely behind bars because we are going to be watching Jurassic Park, oh, the very oh, first oh. 1993 original Steven Spielberg dare I say a classic so the challenge for me is going to be watching the first Jurassic Park and then not wanting to immediately go and watch all the ones <laughs> afterwards because it gets you Nothing into the mood less, so. well time but yeah. true 
uh, so but yeah, yeah again anyway. that wraps up this episode and that's to look forward to for next week uh, join us then again you can follow all of us in the links in the description uh, but for now see you next week bye bye